And we tend to put in time and actually like care greatly about things that we are passionate about. So when you go to these like history classes, you just see people just throwing in papers just to get a grade. Like they won't even under learn anything. So I think it's getting behind something. If you're passionate about something, you'll definitely learn. Because at some point in our lives, we're going to be independent and there's not going to be someone knocking on our shoulders saying, hey, you want to be successful, you got to do this. We have to have that self-control and that awareness to do things for ourselves versus for the satisfaction of others. This pandemic has forced students to learn at home and educators have had to make a fast pivot to remote teaching. This season, I'm talking with teachers and students across the United States to find the silver linings of our situation, to find out what matters most in school, and to use those lessons as we reimagine the future of education. This is Change the Narrative, the podcast about innovation in education and the workplace. I'm your host and tour guide, Michael Hernandez. Nikul Nayak is a junior at Monta Vista High School in Cupertino, California. Currently, he is part of the school's chess club and Green Society Club, where he, along with fellow students, collaborate to create technological innovations and raise awareness about climate change through interviews. He is a sports fanatic, and he often stays up late watching various athletic events, something his parents suspect but have yet to prove. That is until they hear this podcast. <laughs> um, he is most passionate about soccer and currently serves as the captain of the school's varsity team. During his shelter-in-place period, recognizing the numerous inequalities and issues in education amid online learning, he co-founded an organization named Growth in Youth, which provides online tutoring services to underserved and low-income students in the Bay Area. And Nakul is joined by his classmate, Arun Balaji, um, who is also completing his junior year at Monta Vista High School. Um, Arun is passionate about leveraging technology to impact world problems. He is a member of the environmental clubs at school and loves to play sports in his free time. He also founded an environmental news publication that hopes to mitigate climate change through literacy and nationwide activist chapters. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining me uh, in this important conversation. Yeah, thanks yeah, so much for, for having us. Yeah, so it sounds like you guys have been keeping very busy, um, and even in the midst of this pandemic and the school closures, not cool. You started a club uh, and doing this new—is it a business doing this tutoring thing, or how does that work exactly? Well, so it's like more of a nonprofit organization. So basically, um, uh, I believe in literature class one day we were having a discussion of like the pros and cons of remote learning. And our teacher mentioned how, like, where she lives, a lot of students aren't able to have the same access and uh, to quality education as, like, many students here uh, do. So uh, what, like, me and my close friend, what we decided, we could try to address that by actually providing um, tutoring services uh, free of charge to these low-income and underserved students. And we've, uh, we're communicating to these schools and uh, members of these schools. And so far, we've gotten pretty positive responses from them. So it's something we hope to continue doing. Wow. And so how many students have you helped? Where are they located? Are they all in the San Francisco Bay Area like you guys? Or are they outside of the Bay Area? Uh, currently, they're in the Bay Area. Uh, basically, we launched, we launched this pretty recently. So as of now, like we haven't really had yet but uh, we're scheduled to actually have a few tutoring sessions over the next few weeks so um, you know that's something we're really looking forward to doing 
Wow, that's really impressive. And Arun, you started a um, environmental news publication. That's pretty crazy. Like it's it's not really the best environment for journalism right now, but you decided to start a news publication around climate change. Can you tell me about that too? Like why did you feel passionately about, first of all, doing journalism and secondly, that topic? Well, um, I mean, the motivation behind that was when, first of all, I'm like Nicole, I'm a part of the Green Society Club um, at our school. And what we went around and when we were realizing is when we asked people in our area, which is a pretty um, highly socioeconomic community, pretty well off, when we asked them how climate change affects them, they really didn't know how it affected them in their own lives. They'd always talk about the shrinking ice uh, sheets in Greenland, and it was always something in the pollution in China, but there was nothing, something, there was never a reason in their own lives. And we hope to address that through our news publication, which focuses on focuses in on like a very niche topic of how climate change affects lifestyle, and that's basically what the idea behind our initial the initial idea behind starting the organization, and it kind of grew into like a nationwide activist organization, which we now have four chapters of in Virginia, New York, Indiana, and of course California which is sort of mitigating climate change on a local level. Wow, that's incredible. And so this, you started this before the pandemic, but um, are you still right. active? Are you still active now while you guys are in remote school? Yeah, we are still active during this remote school. I would say it actually picked up because we have a lot more time to write and uh, do more things in uh, relation to this organization. So for example, in uh, April, we did about 20,000 viewers, which is pretty impressive, I would say. So, and we're hoping to do a lot more this upcoming month. So I think that we're reaching an audience and we're making an impact, which is something that we're trying to do. So incredible. Wow. Um, And I like the fact that you have more time now so you can actually get it done and do more work Uh, (laughs) now that school's out of the way. (laughs) For sure. Yeah, that's really interesting. So maybe you guys, we could start off by just maybe telling me about what remote school has been like for you so far. Well, for me, I feel like it's definitely a step back in that it's like very slowed down, a lot, very easy paced, not that many expectations. It's very easy going. And I think that it's important, especially since we're in our junior years, me and Nicole. I think it's different for people in different years, but especially since we're juniors and we're so like heavy loaded, stress is high. I think it was important to like take a step back and this remote learning has sort of provided this for us. And this experience has been, again, very, very slow. It's very important. We kind of feel we've understood what's important to us as a result of this experience. But I feel like there's pros and cons, like for everything in this world. And we're just getting through it. Yeah, so similar to like what Rune was saying, like now, uh, you know, we all have a lot more time to do things that we've always wanted to do, you know, pick up some certain hobbies, and then additionally, there's not as much, like not nearly as much stress that we had during actual school times. And I would say that's mainly due to the implementation of a credit, no credit system now. So it's like more relaxed and, and the schedule as well is um, more relaxed than before. So I think, you know, those factors have really contributed together to uh, allow, us, uh, allow us to have a more relaxing experience uh, during this online learning. But, you know, like Arun said, there are pros and cons to everything. And I think like a major con personally for me is like my motivation to learn now is is like significantly changed um, simply because I do not have like 
to go to school where I'm like monitored and, and I'm like, you know, more so motivated to earn a great, a good grade. So I, I, w- I would work harder. So I feel like, you know, I, I'm not necessarily taking away as much as I possibly could from my classes, which is definitely a con, but you know, uh, there are definitely pros and cons to everything. Yeah, that's interesting. I was having that conversation with your classmates in the previous episode about motivation and um, how much grades motivate you. Um, and is it before the pandemic, before the school closures, what motivated you to work so hard? Was it just the GPA? Was it comparison to other students and how they were doing and you felt like you needed to keep up, sort of a peer pressure or something like that? Or what was it that motivated you before? So uh, before, like, I, if I, like for personally for me, I would say it would be mostly the grades just because we like this um, Bay Area or Silicon Valley society that we're in is so focused on like getting good grades like the outline of a good life here is working hard in school, getting good grades, getting a college degree, and then getting a well-paying job. So, you know, I, I would say like, so I'm sort of like following that, you know, I'm working hard in school to get those good grades. So uh, yeah, I would say like that's the main motivation for me, but there's also always the motivation to learn something uh, new in class, which I would also say is also a big motivation for me. Yeah, and sort of on the same lines as Nicole. Definitely grades is something that like for yourself, I would say is like a motivation because you want to do well, first of all. But I think in in a competitive environment like we are in a competitive high school, I think where it becomes a little bad is where you have an A, but the A is not enough. You know, so if you have a 93, the 93 is not enough. The next person has a 97 and you have to beat them. And I think that's where it gets into a toxic environment. But I think in general, People in our society like to do well for themselves, which is always important. But when it gets that you have to be the best, as I think there, there's a fine line there. That's really interesting. I see that uh, escalation at my school as well, which is a similar kind of demographic, high-performing school uh, competition uh, <laughs> uh, to do better, um, which some people would say that's a good problem to have where there's lack of motivation. But it's curious too, because you guys are doing it just sounds like for GPA. Um, and maybe there's this extrinsic motivation, like you said, to get into a good college, to get a good job. It's expensive to live in the Bay Area and in the, a lot of places in the country and the world now. Um, but then I see you guys going off doing these really interesting side projects, you know, the tutoring nonprofit and this journalism organization that doesn't look like it's making you any money, but you're still motivated. And I'm, I'm curious, what are you learning through that process like Nicole, what are you learning about this tutoring service that you're creating what what sorts of things have you had to do or navigate through to to make this work like uh, I would say you know we've learned about the issues that people face in terms of getting a good education so while like I'm not necessarily getting any tangible benefit from uh, creating this organization it's something that you know I think would be extremely beneficial to a wide variety of people like, uh, for example, um, in my Spanish class this year, we were reading a book called Senderos Fonterizos. And um, in the book, uh, the main character uh, talks a lot about how uh, he, he, had, he struggled to get a good education because he was working so many jobs and he didn't have reliable internet at home. And, you know, all these other factors that were preventing him from doing things that he wanted to do. And I think that also had a huge impact on me. 
because it, it like showed me step by step and in detail how um, just just like lack of resources were negatively impacting so many people. So yes, while I do not get you know a tangible benefit um, from creating this organization, I think it's a serious problem that must be addressed, especially with online learning, with not a lot of people having laptops. And although right as of now we won't like be able to address that since it's mostly online tutoring, which is definitely a problem that we hope to address later on. You know, um, that that's definitely one of the issues we're facing, I would say. But yeah, it's something we hope to continue after college as well. Yeah, it's great. And and Arun, like your journalism endeavor, you've got quite a few hits. You're making quite a big impact um, out there. Um, what are some things that you learned by becoming a journalist and having this um, sort of alternative journalistic publication? Well, I mean, something that I took away personally is that you know, we all tend to like not want to do something because we don't think that what we're going to do is going to be important or have an impact. And I think like when we've built a platform that like if one person writes an article and if that article gets 6,000 hits, you've impacted 6,000 lives, right? And that's something tangible that I took away is that every individual can make a difference, right? Otherwise, they won't be able to notice that unless they actually go out and do something, which is something I definitely took away. And so as the teacher, I have my teacher hat on and <laughs> talking to you guys, you're talking about things have slowed down at school. It's not as competitive. And you're saying that's kind of a good thing. You know, you're less stressed out because uh, you're in this pass fail kind of uh, system, credit, no credit. Um, and yet you're continuing to learn some really valuable things, um, setting up a business, connecting to people, helping people, having impact. Isn't that learning? Well, yeah, I would say that is learning. And going back to what we were talking about, how our main motivation was getting a grade and just turning it in for what it is, whatever gets you the highest grade. Um, I would elaborate it, elaborate on that and saying that we generally haven't, me and Nicole, we have an idea of what we want to pursue in our lives, right? And we tend to put in time and actually like care greatly about things that we are passionate about. And it turns into something like what, when we're in subjects that we don't really, you know, we, it's something that we don't see value in or something that we don't think that we're going to pursue, it turns into, hey, I'm just going to turn in something for the grade. And I think that's such a big thing because students here who are so focused and generally, the general thing is like, we need to go into engineering, medical, something like that, right? Mm -hmm. So when you go to these like history classes, you just see people just throwing in papers just to get a grade. Like they won't even under learn anything. So I think it's getting behind something. If you're passionate about something, you'll definitely learn. And yeah, you're right that creating a business is something that I am taking away from this experience, right? Because I'm learning. But if someone who is passionate about history were to have done the same thing, I don't think they would be learning because they don't care for it as much. That's the million dollar question, right? <laughs> like, How do you help students find the thing that they're passionate about to drive that that learning, like no matter what, right? You'll spend all kinds of hours, I bet, figuring this stuff out and reaching out to people, right? Um, that's really interesting. Um, something that we teachers always struggle with. <laughs> How do you find the passion? How do you ignite that? Um, so what are some things that you guys like about remote school? Well, um, I would have to say, like, like we were talking about earlier, the amount of free time, because personally for me during the school hours, um, I would like mostly like my schedule usually consists of getting up, going to school, coming back, working, taking a small break for dinner and then going to sleep and like an ongoing cycle of that. And so the stress was like really building up there. 
So I really appreciate the ability to just like sit back and, and do things. You for example, um, specifically, I've been able to pick up new hobbies. Uh, for example, one of them would be investing. Like I, I've always been like sort of interested in investing, but I never really had the time to like actually research it and actually start investing. But now uh, I've been able to have like these conversations with my dad pretty much every day where we discuss different investing st strategies and um, how to research properly and everything. So that's definitely one hobby I've picked up. And another thing I would say is photography. Like you mentioned, you teach that. And uh, at school, I'm actually taking photography. And, you know, a lot of these like arts and humanities classes, unfortunately, aren't considered to be as important as all the other, you know, STEM topics. So the fact that I'm able to actually dedicate more time now to doing things like photography, whereas during school hours, I wouldn't have been able to do that as much. It's just very enjoyable and it's like just very relaxing to be able to go on walks and like, you know, take these nature shots and just take your mind off all the things going around in your life. Yeah, I would say definitely the free, like based off what Nicole said, free time is a huge thing, right? I mean, when you come back from school, personally for me, I just come back, I sit on the sofa and I just relax for like an hour, you know, and that's time that I can be spending doing other things, but going to school is an exhausting process, right? So yeah, like we have time to do non-school related things. And like Nicole said, I'm also interested in investing and, you know, we're, we're young. We don't really know what we're investing in or the strat the proper strategies, <laughs> but we're finding our way around and we're just, we're learning, which I think is a big thing we're taking away. That's so interesting. And I was talking to um, Ellie and Navia yesterday in the previous episode, and they felt maybe a little guilty for doing some of these things. Like Navia was talking about uh, painting and writing, you know, and Ellie was doing some other things. And so do you feel guilty for doing these things that are quote unquote, non-academic, non-STEM related? How do you feel about that? If you were in school, you would be studying now. So I guess, that, uh, you know, there is an aspect of guilt to some extent, I would say. Yeah, I definitely think guilt is the huge thing. And that generally, I hadn't touched my PlayStation since like last summer. And then since what? this remote learning came up, yeah, I know, because junior year has been crazy. <laughs> but ever since remote learning came up, I'm like every night up till 12 a.m. from like 10 p.m. to 12 a.m. just playing. My dad tells me, get off the PS4, just like every time, like every parent's trying to get their kids off gaming. And I kind of like, like every kid, I'm like, yeah, I'll get off, but I'm not really going to get off. So <laughs> it's one of those things, but I tell him I'm going to get off. But and I think in the back of my head, I'm not, I wouldn't have been playing if I was in school, right? So it's this conscious feeling of, hey, what I'm doing is not right. I feel guilty that I could be doing something else, but I don't think it affects me to the point where I'm just not going to play. And it doesn't sound like it's affecting you guys in negative ways because you're still managing to do these great projects in addition to your schoolwork too. So it doesn't seem like it's getting in your way at all. Um, and I wonder if like, now that you have this flex time and you can follow your passions and you can do the, all these things, like you're using your both sides of your brain instead of just one side, like, isn't that just more of like being a human and living a human life rather than the life of whatever you were doing before? So you guys seem like you've made the transition to remote learning and distance learning pretty well. Um, how have your teachers handled that shift to online learning? I think personally it varies from teacher to teacher because if one teacher was 
embracing technology before this remote learning, then I think they had a better switch over. Like our chemistry teacher, Mrs. Gupta, she, it was a very seamless transition because all the lectures had been pre-recorded. We had a flipped model and that the lectures were recorded and we were able to go over questions in class and we were able to continue that model, which I think was very powerful. So in terms of learning, there wasn't really a big change. But in terms of other teachers who, I, would, I wouldn't say neglected technology, but didn't want to use it 24 seven in the classroom, it was definitely a more challenging switch. Yeah, so, you know, adding on to what Arun said, there is like a bit of a difference and it varies based on the teachers. Like, you know, additionally, Ms. Gupta also had these YouTube live sessions, uh, you know, a few days before the test where she would just answer all our questions that we had and like explain it on a whiteboard, which is very similar to like how the Zoom sessions function, you know, uh, today for us. So I think, you know, the shift, like Arun said, it really depends for, for like certain classes where teachers were actually using the technology. It wasn't that hard. It, it goes back to the question of like, you know, how much were you knowledgeable about technology before this uh, shift to online learning actually happened? So why do you think some teachers weren't all up to speed on it before this went down? I mean, I think, you know, a lot of them, like not only teachers, but like all of us, not, no one could ever like expect this, you know, ever. Sure. So, you know, the fact that they were like, maybe some of them might have just been lazy and they would have, they may, they may have thought that, you know, there's no need, like this doesn't really have to do with my course curriculum and how I teach. So maybe, you know, some of them just neglected the online aspect. But, you know, in today's ever-changing society where technology is becoming a bigger part of our lives every day, I think to be able to embrace that, you know, no matter who you are, no matter what age you are. So I think it's a problem of necessity. I feel like teachers didn't think that integrating technology into the classroom was necessary, that it added to an experience. And kind of going off of that, do you guys have your own laptop or iPad to do your schoolwork with? Yeah. Yeah. And, and what's like your internet situation like? Oh, yeah. the internet situation is pretty well. Yeah, it's pretty good. We are able, all, all four of us in my family are able to browse at the same time. So, yeah, yeah I would say same. students that didn't have access to internet, they really struggled, especially like with the AP tests, which were online. I feel like they definitely got hit the hardest. So I think, again, it really varies. Yeah. You know, for me too as well, I, I was in a, I'm grateful to be in a similar situation to Arun where, you know, internet correct connection isn't like something I have to worry about every day. But, you know, that is an issue that a lot of people face. Yeah. And Nicole, you were saying for your organization too, like you're trying to reach those kids to do tutoring. And if they don't even have like a yeah. laptop or internet, they can't even get access to your tutoring, right? I wonder yeah, what exactly. that's like for, for all those schools. You know, you hear the, the schools in like East San Jose and things like that or... East Palo Alto, things like that. Um, yeah, so um, what do you think are some aspects of remote learning that you think we should keep once the pandemic is over? I think one like really specific aspect that would be very useful is just like online office hours. Like Ms. Gupta currently does that with us. She's been doing it since the beginning of the year. These, like I mentioned, uh, the YouTube live sessions. And like that's been very helpful because like a day before a test when like you know, uh, which is when most students actually like start cramming, you know, if there's a key concept that you're not understanding, you can just spend like hours on the internet trying to understand it. But you know, if you have these uh, live sessions with the teacher, who can just answer them right away and clarify any misconceptions you have. Yeah, so sort of building off what Nicole said is, I think remote learning in ways that we haven't realized yet can solve the issue of when you miss like a few days of school because you're sick, 
you miss out on content and there's no way for you to catch up until you get back to school. So I think that since burnout is such a huge thing in high school, because we're all working 24 seven, because we all want to go to a good college. That's the sort of general like stigma here is that you have to get into a good college and we're all burning ourselves out. But if we had the option, say, that you're allowed to take one day a week to stay back and participate in some sort of remote learning in a way that we're able to slow down, but still get in information that I think would be very powerful. Just one day a week? I think it could vary per student, but I think it should be an option for some students. That's really interesting. What about sleep? Do you guys get enough sleep these days? I would say I've been sleeping later. So I would... And since school starts at 9 a.m., I think I'm getting around like eight and a half hours, somewhere around there, which I would say is the area I try to float around during normal school time. So I would be saying I would get more school than a normal school week, more sleep than a normal school week, but I'm not sleeping as if I would on a weekend, like 12 hours. Yeah, as for me, you know, I, I'm definitely getting uh, more sleep. I try to hit like seven hours, 45 minutes. But during school days, oftentimes um, I wasn't able to hit that a lot, which was, you know, kind of stressful. But now I've been able to do that a lot more. But, you know, one thing I really wish I could do was sleep in more. But uh, my dad is uh, like, we have a German Shepherd and during school days, like he usually walks the German Shepherd in the morning. But he, he's just like, oh, you have to walk in the morning now. I mean, it's enjoyable. You know, it's a relaxing thing when no one's there. It's very peaceful. But, you know, sleeping in too, it's so valuable. Yeah. And doing those chores and those duties around the house are important too, right? <laughs> so Ms. Gupta is your AP chemistry teacher. And uh, she was telling me about this program that she started with you guys that's not related to chemistry or science at all, right? Um, it's about character strengths. And I was talking to Ellie and Navia about this in the previous episode as well. So can you guys tell me a little bit about that program and, um, and, and what your takeaway is, how has that impacted you? Uh, we took a survey in class. It was basically on these different, uh, it was a survey on like different character, like traits, if you will. So, um, and then the survey like produced results of these rankings of your character traits. And then basically what we were supposed to do was choose one of these traits that we wanted to personally grow in. And we basically made a detailed plan about like how we would improve in that on a monthly basis. So personally, self-discipline and um i like just set daily goals and then i had a sleep log to try to make sure i wasn't getting distracted and like actually sleeping early and uh i i saw a lot of benefits like for example my productivity increased a lot you know i wasn't binge watching the youtube videos as much as i used to before and you know i was getting i was getting a bit more sleep which is definitely beneficial so I, i would say you know i saw a lot of benefit from this project and I, I would encourage, you know, a lot of other students who are listening to this to also, you know, try, try and go out of your comfort zone to try something like this when you have more time. Yeah, and I think you'll only get out of it what you put into it. So the kids who took it seriously, I think, really got something out of it. Like Nicole and I, we definitely took it seriously. And I know personally, Nicole took it seriously because I saw him actually create a Google Calendar with all the information of what he was going to do throughout that day how he was going to sort out his time. And you can see that we've grown tremendously because of it. And if you took it seriously, I think that it was a very valuable experience. And Arun, what was your character trait that you worked on? I worked on curiosity. 
And basically what I did was I started asking more questions than I would normally have asked. And at first it felt more like a task to ask more questions, but the more I started asking questions, it became more seamless and integrated into my life. And I think why it was so powerful for me is that I found a new passion, which is for econ, which is something when I look back and I reflected on all the questions that I had asked, I was like, this is a very big topic that has been recurring throughout all these questions. And this is like finding what is important to me. And that's something that a lot of kids are trying to do during this quarantine with all their open time. They're trying to find out what's important to them. What do they want to do and things like that. And why did you choose curiosity out of all of the different traits you could have selected? Well, I mean, at the core of every innovation was some curious idea. When Einstein, when he wanted to create whatever he wanted to create, when he was curious about something, he just he started thinking, right? And the process of thinking and asking questions is something that I think is what I want to take away. And when I saw that that was one of my weak traits, it's, it's shocking. And when a lot of us, we don't want to realize that we have something that's bad in us, right? We don't want to realize that there's something that we can improve on. But when you step back and you say, I'm going to take initiative, I'm going to improve on this, that's something that is important to recognize. Well, it's great that you can, first of all, recognize that and admit to that um, character weakness. I think so much of our society uh, prevents us from acknowledging weakness or flaws um, uh, for whatever reason. Um, and it's interesting that you chose curiosity. I, 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 do you have the secret to curiosity? Cause I'm trying to figure that out <laughs> for myself and my students too. Like, well, I mean, do you know, do you have a secret to like nurturing and fostering curiosity? I mean, at first trying to make it like a task is pretty important. Although that's something that you're not going to carry for the rest of your life. If you have to like tell yourself to ask questions, obviously you're not doing it right. But if you're for the first few weeks, if you tell yourself, I'm going to ask three more questions and I'm going to write down the answers to those questions. Eventually you'll start figuring out that it's kind of, I would say it's kind of intriguing. It's kind of interesting to just learn more about things. I think to an extent, it's like an inherent quality that you have to be a curious person, but being able to tap into that quality is by asking more questions. It's such great advice. <laughs> So we're in the middle of this pandemic and everyone's focused or seemingly more focused on social emotional wellness than they ever have been before, I think. Um, and so this program that you're doing with your AP chemistry teacher, Ms. Gupta, isn't related to science and it's not related to standardized tests at all. And so you guys were talking earlier about feeling guilty for like playing video games or, you know, doing these other things that are not quote unquote school and academic. So why do you think your teacher would spend so much time and energy doing something like this whatever she teaches us like she wants us to take beyond the scope of her class and like beyond our high school years so like in this case like while like we're learning valuable information about chemistry and all these other you know wonderful classes realistically we're not going to be retaining all this information in a few years but like like arun said earlier you know if you're taking this project sincerely and you're doing it very authentically then you're going to see benefits like possibly indefinitely at least in our school, there's no class where you can improve on your character. There's no character building class, study habits class. No one will teach you how to improve your character. No one will even want to talk about it. But 
when we want, when we are tasked with addressing one of our character strings, I think it's really important. It's so great. And so like what I think about for my students is, again, if, if you don't know how to deal with people, if you don't know how to deal with the information in the class, like what do I do with this information? How do I use it in an ethical way? Um, then it's pointless. Like there's no point to like sharing this information and this knowledge, right? Unless you know what to do with it. And it seems like Ms. Gupta has her finger on the pulse of that. Like I need you guys to like figure out <laughs> how to be good people first because otherwise you're going to use this, <laughs> your superpowers for evil rather <laughs> than for good, right? Um, I think that's really interesting. And, and Nicole, you brought up a really interesting point. You said this a couple of times in our conversation, but it, you know, if people take it seriously, is what you're saying. So if students took this assignment seriously, they would get a lot out of it. And I'm wondering, what's your sense of like the other students at your school or in your class that took it seriously? Are there, is there like a significant number of kids who don't take it seriously? Uh, I would say like the majority, like obviously, like I don't know this for a fact, but I would have to say a majority of students, unfortunately, like didn't really necessarily take it as seriously as they could have. And that's simply because like we're in a competitive school, like uh, we've talked about this, like, you know, where grades are like super important and uh, this project is graded. So like if pe people like they don't really want to put into the effort to see something that, you know, th this just doesn't like, like we said, this doesn't necessarily have to do with academics. So people are like, why should I put all this effort in and like come up with this rigorous plan and follow it? if it's not gonna like improve my GPA and boost my college chances. So like people just, a lot of people, you know, I personally know also, like they didn't put in that much effort and they sort of like, uh, sort of made up like what they did, I would say, just to see the benefit of the grade, but you know, not necessarily the benefit in their character improvement. Yeah, and I think oftentimes going on based off of doing it for the grade, people tended to portray themselves in a way that would get them the highest grade versus a way that was authentic to themselves. Wow, and is that any different than any other class or any other assignment? Um, I think it varies from student to student, but some people tend to, trace, tend to stay true to themselves in how they act around teachers, but there are some people who submit assignments just to get grades, and they submit, they act differently in front of teachers just to get grades. Sure, yeah, I think adults do that for their bosses too, right? <laughs> That doesn't really change that much. And it's interesting because I hear a lot of teachers concerned that, oh, that's fluffy, that's frivolous, it's not serious work, it's not serious academics, um, or a process. Like on remote learning, for example, I can't trust the students to go off and do a project because they're, they're not into it, they're not 100% into it, um, or they're not passionate about it, or I can't trust that they're going to to follow through in the way that I want that if I hold this grade over them, if I make them study really super hard for a long time to write this research paper or to take this test, then I will know that they, they did it. How do, you, how do you feel about that kind of mindset that it has to be like super hard or like a major grade or a lot at stake in order to get kids to pay attention to take it seriously? Do you think that's, that's true? Personally, I don't think that's a really healthy habit to do things for grades because at some point in our lives, we're going to be independent and there's not going to be someone knocking on our shoulders saying, hey, you want to be successful, you got to do this. We have to have that self-control and that awareness 
to do things for ourselves versus for the satisfaction of others. Nicole, I don't know if you have anything you want to add to that, but um, it's a tough, it's a tough question. Like, like what you said about teachers, like creating these hard projects just to make sure that students are actually doing that. I, I think like Arun said, that definitely is not necessarily the healthiest habit, but I would say, you know, for a lot of students, that is a necessity, unfortunately, because a lot of people aren't willing to put in the work unless they see the direct benefit for them. Like while you might be uh, improving, you know, your, your knowledge, but that's not as like, that's not easy to track. And that's not as tangible as something as, oh, you got an A in this. That's because you did this. So uh, the motivation of like when you get a big project to work hard is definitely there. So while it's not necessarily a healthy habit, you know, it, it does unfortunately like apply and it is sometimes a necessity for a lot of students. Do you guys, I mean, both of you guys play sports um, and you're successful in Ms. Gupta's AP chemistry class. Um, do you feel like um, you ever are motivated to do a good job or be authentic or take it seriously, whether it's the game or a project or studying um, because you want to do a good job for your teacher? Like it's the person that motivates you rather than the grade? I think there's always an aspect of like trying to impress the person who assigns the task to you. So there, there's always like that aspect. But once like I really self-reflected and I realized that I'm going to be going to college next year, I'm not going to have this like strong support network of counselors, teachers, parents who can say, you know, you need to do this, keeping me on track. Once I'm in college, you know, just a free bird. I, like I have to be able to like be independent on myself. So once I like really self-reflected and realized that, I realized that self-discipline is like actually a necessity that I really need to improve in. So, you know, I think once I took the time to self-reflect, it didn't really become about, you know, what does Ms. Gupta think about me? It became more about, I, I like, I'm going to be going to college. I need to actually improve in this. Oh, yeah. I think I was just going to add saying that finding self-value and doing things for yourself versus for others is something that people realize at different stages in their life. But once you realize that, I think you find that you you find you want to focus on things that are most passionate to yourself versus then versus what other people want you to do. That's a great clarification. So it's not a selfish thing. It's like you just feel passionately about doing something or learning about something, and um, rather than an extrinsic motivator, it's something that's intrinsic inside yourself, your heart or your mind or whatever. That's really great. And so that kind of leads me to my next question, which is. You know, what have you guys learned about yourselves while being on quarantine? Um, I think since we're all around our family so much now, I think something for me is that I've realized that being with my family was so much fun because oftentimes we don't have this time to just sit around around the fireplace and just play some cards. It's sort of just, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of it was kind of weird at first, to be honest. But the more I realized it, I was, I'm, I'm thinking that this is, it's different for different families. I realize when I'm saying this is a lot of families are struggling through this time and they're struggling to make ends meet. But I think that finding that having a strong family and being close is very fun and very important. Yeah, I can definitely relate to a lot of what Arun just said there. Uh, like my, both my parents work, so uh, like we don't really have that time to just talk about our emotions and like how, like what we did that day and like what we're looking forward to or any of those things. And then additionally, my sister uh, who's in college was able to come back and um, for, you know, because of this shelter in place. 
So like Arun said, we'll, we're able to like have these uh, daily talks where we just sit down, have a cup of tea and discuss, you know, our emotions, uh, our life. And it, it's just very relaxing. And it's something I like, I've also realized similar to Arun that I really enjoy doing. It's something I had been missing out on a lot uh, when there's just regular school. So that's something that I really hope to, that we hope to, I hope that we continue to uh, do uh, once uh, regular school resumes. Mm, yeah. So spending time with the family and I'm curious what that was like before. Uh, I imagine you guys were pretty busy and didn't have that either one-on-one time or that relaxed time to kind of talk and connect. Um, yeah. Strangely enough, I, I feel like, you know, we're disconnected from a lot of things because we can't go out. We can't social in, socially interact like we used to. And yet, strangely enough, I feel more connected, you know, to my family and stuff. So I, I hear that a lot from folks. Yeah. Um, so what are you guys hopeful for for next year when we think about what's going to happen with school in the fall? I think that since Runa and I are going to be uh, both seniors next year, one thing that we'd actually like um, want is to be able to return to school just because of the fact that senior year is like supposed to be your most enjoyable year where you know you reap the benefits of all your previous years of hard work. So I think that's like something personally just for us, just because we're going to be seniors next year. Yeah, I think there's value in like human to human interactions, which we're missing out on now outside of our families. And yeah, I'm hopeful that we're able to return to school, but obviously health is first. If the virus is not able to be contained to the point we're not able to return, I think we all just like need to step back and sacrifice the things like we obviously seniors this year missed out on their second semester, which is supposed to be the highlighted of your high school career or your life up till that point, which I think is a big thing. But I think the ability to be able to realize that health comes first and you need to sacrifice fun and happiness sometimes for safety and health. That's really big of you. Um, what else would you guys like to share about school closures and remote work? Um, for me, I thought it was really good for the first time around, but I think there's room for improvement. And the reason why I say that is sometimes we'll be having discussions in our classrooms and it can get very stagnant in that there's not responses sometimes. And I think, I don't know how to address that problem, but I think that's one room for improvement. While everyone is trying their best, there is definitely room for improvement. Like sometimes people just have their camera off and they're on mute. So like you don't even know if they're interacting with the class. So there's just like problems like that, which can definitely be improved on if this was were to reoccur again. And I think another thing to acknowledge is that everyone is doing their best. Like I, I know like uh, there's this platform called Nextdoor, which is like between all the, uh, in the neighborhood, all the families. And a lot of people are just like, are just very con- like angry and upset about how the teachers were handling the situation. But I think it's important to acknowledge that they didn't really have a say in how this went and everyone's just trying their best. And like Arun said, this is about health first. So uh, academics, does come next so we have to do our best and stay safe so while this isn't necessarily ideal it's the best we can do for now that's what i would say you gotta watch out for next door (laughs) (laughs) steer clear it's just like all the negativity and like the hysteria um i'm not sure what's going on with that but well, you guys, this has been a great conversation, Nicole and Arun. Uh, thank you guys so much for spending the time and sharing your ideas with me. Yeah, thanks for, for sure. having us. Thank you. 
If you like the podcast, rate us and write us a review. It helps people find us. And don't forget to sign up for our monthly email newsletter. You can find the details on our website, changethenarrative.net.